Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, we appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to... Game two, that was very similar to game one. Second verse, same as the first. Holy moly, these two uh, games mirrored each other rather perfectly. Uh, It once again results in a Denver Nuggets blowout loss. 126 to 106, 20-point L in the Chase Center, in the Bay. The Nuggets are in massive trouble, guys. We talked about this in the preview before the series. And, you know, in some ways, you know, I was recording that preview to the series. I, at the end of it, I, I kind of apologized uh, for the, the, the overtones of pessimism uh, as I examined the matchup between these two teams and, you know, felt a little bit guilty uh, because I think, you know, most people that listen to this podcast, every time the Nuggets take the floor, you want them to win. But what we're seeing right now is just the crystallization of where the Nuggets are at as a group and where the Warriors are ascending to. And those two things are intersecting, and it is problematic, to say the least. The first quarter was the best part about this basketball game, as it was for Game 1. If you remember, the Nuggets uh, played with good pace uh, in in the first quarter of Game 1. Same thing here. It felt like, okay, this is this is the response game. This is the punchback game from Denver where they settle in. Game one was chaotic, ended up unraveling, but here's where they settle in and are competitive for all four quarters. And I thought that was going to be the case, to be honest. I wasn't sure if they were going to win the game, but I was pretty damn sure that the Nuggets were going to give their best punch back and be in the basketball game uh, down the stretch of the fourth quarter. I took the seven. Uh, on, on our Superbook app, I, I talked about before the game, Monte Morris over 11.5 points, Aaron Gordon over, I think it was 14.5 points, Jokic over 29.5 points, uh, tweeted all that stuff out thinking that these guys were going to play major minutes in an uber-competitive game, and it turned out to be not even close to that. And you could argue that uh, Game 2, and, and I think I would, Game 2 was more of a disaster than Game 1 uh, for you know, a multitude of reasons, you know, but, but first and foremost, uh, at the top of the list of those reasons, I thought we saw the Nuggets implode, like right before our eyes. And you saw it four or five different, uh, different cases of that implosion uh, throughout the game, throughout the second half of the game from uh, Nikola Jokic, getting a technical foul, slamming the basketball, just losing control of his emotions. Monte Morris taking the ball, throwing it off the stanchion. It flies out of bounds, technical foul. You got uh, Boogie Cousins, and and this one you couldn't make up because things were actually going well for the Nuggets uh, in the second half. Not going well as in they were leading, but they were getting back into the game that caused Steve Kerr to call a timeout after a Monte Morris made three-pointer. And you got Will Barton, and DeMarcus Cousins literally in each other's face having to get restrained during, from one another during a playoff game. You got uh, uh, Nikola Jokic uh, again finally just 
totally crossing through the threshold of being under control and ultimately being ejected from the basketball game. And not ideal to say the least. And I think that when you're seeing a group lose their minds like that and have a full-blown freakout like that, it sort of reveals their cards of where they're, uh, they're standing within the series. Like, not only are, are we solved, but all of us are on the same page and understand uh, that we're solved. And unfortunately, not to uh, paint with just such a negative brush, I just don't know what I could point to, guys. Point to something of substance uh, that, that would lead me to believe that there could be a hard pivot in this series. Now, I'm not saying that the Nuggets can't win a game. I still believe that they'll find a way to win one of the games in Denver. But in terms of beating the Warriors four of the next six times, I, my mind, I would have to put my mind in a pretzel uh, to go there because my eyes are telling me and my basketball instinct is screaming that these two teams are just not only not in the same neighborhood, right now they are a galaxy apart. And there's several things that you could point to why that is the case. And first and foremost, and we talked about this after game one, all things Denver Nuggets start and end with Nikola Jokic. And for a second consecutive game, the MVP has not been the A-plus version of himself. And you could probably argue he's not the A-minus or maybe even B-plus version of himself. Once again, shoots under 50%, 0-4 from three-point range. Nikola Jokic has now missed 20 of his last 25 three-point attempts. Draymond Green, his defense has turned this series on its head. And I used to argue, you know, uh, in the last handful of years, I, I, I don't know any rational mind who would disagree with it now, but stuff like this, what we're seeing through Game 1 and Game 2, is a microcosm of why Draymond Green is ultimately going to end up in Springfield, Massachusetts, in the uh, James Naismith Memorial, uh, Basketball Memorial Hall of Fame. He's, he, is a, he is a lock, okay, he is a lock, and what you're seeing him do defensively, and we said this after game one, and, and I might even said it in the preview, Draymond Green on the defensive end, the way that he plays chess is the offensive ver- version of what Jokic does, or the defensive version of what Jokic does on the offensive end. The guy, uh, defensive player of the year, uh, been first team all defense, I believe four different times, second team all defense two different times. This guy's led the league he often plays center. This guy's led the league in steals. <laughs> like, in a separate season that he won Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, the guy is brilliant. And Jokic is definitively struggling against him. It is obvious. We are not used to seeing Jokic have 9 for 20 games. We're talking about a guy who regularly shoots 65% over the course of a, of a week. And if you look at just the raw numbers for most people, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, that's a slam dunk resounding good game. But Jokic's standards are such where it's not what we're used to. It's falling short. And when we, when we talked about this series, if the Nuggets were going to have any chance uh, as a serious underdog, nearly 3-1 to one at tip-off of Game 1, if they were going to have a shot 
to upset the Warriors, Nikola Jokic was going to have to be the best player in the series. And there's really not much of an argument that he has been that. And, and him being the head of the snake and kind of the team going as he goes, when he's not that A-plus version of himself that the Nuggets needed, things just do not fall into place. And he is losing the matchup against Draymond Green. I think any objective of basketball eyes would tell you that. And then the others, the quote-unquote others, which for me was really the difference in the series. It wasn't just the high-end Hall of Fame talent at the very top for the Warriors, but it was guys like Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole uh, that would be uh, ultimately the difference. And you could you could argue you know both things of what's you know working better for the Warriors, the the high end talent at the top, or the contributions um, off of the bench. Uh, and and Curry is still coming off the bench. He goes for thirty four. Like that's what it looks like. And that was one of our biggest concerns after Game One is like you weren't competitive in a game where their best player actually didn't play well. And and you could sort of forecast like, uh-oh, what does it look like when the Warriors are actually all firing uh, on, on all cylinders? And we're sort of getting a, a glimpse uh, of that after two games. All right, and we shift gears to Aaron Gordon. We talked about this repeatedly, both on the radio show, here on the podcast, that if uh, the Nuggets were going to upset the Warriors, whether it was in the series or a particular game, we should be arguing about who the second best player in the series is. Like that was the scenario. That person A thought it was Monte Morris. Person B thought it was Aaron Gordon. Person C could have argued it was Bones because all of them played so well and all these things coming together. Unfortunately, if if I asked the question, um, who has been the second best player in this series for the Denver Nuggets? I don't know what the answer would be. I, I honestly don't. And, and, if, and if you force me to answer, I'd probably say right now, Will Barton, and which is extremely unfortunate because Barton shot five for 15 in game two. Now, we pulled down 10 rebounds. That's great. Um, in game one, he had 24 points. But, like, if you're talking about and, – and Barton went for 12 points, guys. Barton went for 12 points. The second leading score on the Nuggets in game two – had 12 points. That is never going to be good enough. <laughs> Not even close. Not even close. But the guy who should be the second best player, the guy who's making $100 million, is Aaron Gordon, who finished with seven points. That is somehow lower than his game, to- game one total, where he wasn't a top four scorer on the team when he had eight points. Somehow he did worse. Three of nine from the field, took four three-pointers. Again, it hasn't been working. He went one of four, not as active as he needed to be on the glass. Aaron Gordon, you could fairly argue, has been the most disappointing uh, Denver Nugget in this series. They just need a little something. And the devil's advocate rebuttal to that is, well, Gordon's not uh, a a second option. Like in, in a normal setting with, you know, when the Nuggets are whole, he's more of a fourth option. Okay, that's something that we all know and understand. But this is the context that we're in here. It's been this way all year. Aaron Gordon has been the second option on this basketball team all season long. And I'm not saying he's thrived in that role, uh, but he's been getting 15 points a night. And and to be you know relevant in the series, he at least had to be somewhere around that number you would like you know, 18 to 20 points, but at least be flirting with your season average. Unfortunately, 
He's literally putting up half of his season average when it matters the most. And you're seeing him try to create a little bit, and it's just not working. You, you know, there's, there's a handful of things that you could point to that are con- uh, concerning about Aaron Gordon. Uh, we're seeing him airball. We're seeing Jordan Poole just blow right by him. You know, he's letting his lack of offense affect uh, his defense on the other end. That's problematic. But I think maybe the most concerning thing I saw from Aaron Gordon in Game 2 was the look on his face in the second half. It, just a blank stare on the bench. Lights are on. No one's home. It goes back to, like, I'm solved, and I know that I'm solved. Like, he is hitting his head on a, a, on a defensive ceiling that is the Warriors, and it looks, um, it looks bad. It's just a hard watch right now. It's just a flat-out hard watch. Monte Morris, I thought, was uh, better uh, in Game 2 than he was in Game 1. Um, you know, Jeff Green is a total non-factor on the offensive end. Took just three shots, three points. And then you look at the, the, the raw plus-minus numbers for a second consecutive game, and this is not all on Nikola, um, but for the second consecutive game, we're seeing Nikola Jokic have the largest plus-minus on the team. As in, when he was out there in 28 minutes, the Nuggets were outscored by 26 points. We are just not used to seeing that. And unfortunately, I don't know, guys, if there's like this like magic ace up Mike Malone's sleeve, this magic card that can be played that is going to shift the series. If there's just, just this one singular adjustment or new set of rotation that could shift the series. Unfortunately, I just don't think that there's anything tangible that we can draw from that would lead you to believe that the series can get shifted. Now, I'll admit we have a tendency to be prisoners of the moments after these playoff games because they're so important. The Nuggets can change the narrative if they go out and win game three. But if I asked you, okay, how are you going to skin that cat? Like, how, what, what does that look like in game three? Is it, is it starting Austin Rivers and going small? Is it more minutes for Faku? Is it going big and playing DeMarcus and, and Jokic at the same time? All this stuff has been suggested. <laughs> but I think we're, we're just seeing a picture come into focus that like the Nuggets just kind of are who they are at this point. They are outmanned. They are outgunned. Last night on Twitter, I said it feels like the Nuggets are throwing water balloons at an aircraft carrier. You can chuck those things 500 miles per hour. You can try as hard as you want, but you aren't going to make a dent. And that's what the temperature of this series feels like. And, you know, what makes it more, even more disheartening is that in the second quarter when Jokic was on the bench, the bench unit goes on a 14-2 run. And then once again, the, the first half had the same arc to it um, as the first half in game one, where the first quarter's good, second quarter you're off to a good start. We got to remember, with three minutes left in the, in the uh, second quarter of game one, the game's tied. And then, boom, insert death lineup, you're down by double figures at the break. And then the uh, Warriors are never really threatened in the second half. This time, it was the same sort of arc, but it was with about five, six minutes left where the Warriors went on their run. And that the half ended on a 26-8 to run. The Nuggets went from being up 12 to down 6. And it's just so deflating because it feels like the Nuggets played well enough 
to be in a position where to not only have a halftime lead, but like you, it felt like in large stretches of the first half they were outplaying the Warriors. And it just evaporates so damn quickly. And then the third quarter, you know, looked like 2016 Warriors. They came out and scored 44 points in 12 minutes during the third quarter. It's just backbreaking. It's, um, man, I mean, well, think about this. They, they scored, it, look at this, 44 points in 12 minutes in the third quarter. They outscored the Nuggets over a 12-minute stretch by 14 points. Awful. 18 turnovers for the Nuggets? They're, the Warriors are hard enough to beat um, <laughs> just playing straight up. But you give the ball away 18 times? Somehow, in that category, it went from bad to worse, game over game. So, just incredibly, incredibly concer- uh, concerning. And, you know, um, I would like the Nuggets to at least, um, if you're going to go through something like this, uh, for there to be some sort of growth process and lessons to be learned that can be uh, applied for the future. And I just don't know what it can be outside of this group needs to learn how to handle adversity better. The NBA playoffs are literally adversity. That's that's the definition of the playoffs. It's never going to be easy. So if we want the Nuggets to achieve these goals, you know, these big massive goals, playing in the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history, maybe winning an NBA championship during this Jokic era, it's never going to be easy. And, and I'm seeing a a lack of grit from the group. We talked about this after game one here on the Mile High Hoops podcast is that like it didn't feel like the Nuggets from an intensity standpoint and a gut check standpoint were ready for what was awaiting them. And by by watching the way that they unraveled, that was sort of reinforced. Like there's a little bit of toughness, a lot of it actually, toughness lacking uh, from this basketball team. And in seasons past, maybe, you know, a guy like uh, a Paul Millsap, you know, would step up to the plate. I just don't know who that guy is right now. It's not Boogie Cousins because that's fake toughness. Okay, that's like I'll beat you up toughness. That's not basketball toughness that we're going to fight through this. We're going to show metal and we're not going to let the sky fall on us. We're going to, you know, have have some poise. It's the total opposite of poise. That guy's fighting each other. Jokic getting kicked out of the game. And by the way. Don't forget how Jokic's season ended last year against the Phoenix Suns. An over-the-top, flagrant foul on campaign, and he just could not keep his head about him. Now, him getting actually thrown out of the game in Game 2, it doesn't really have any consequence on the game. The game was a route. He probably shouldn't even been in there, just risking injury. So it didn't really have any consequence, but I think it's something that you look at that it speaks to a larger issue with Nikola. Like this next step of leadership that we've been talking about, Jokic is definitively a great player. He's one of the great players in the world right now, if not the greatest. All right, but when we talk about you know uh, here in the back stretch of the season with the leadership factor, and and Jokic just talked about this himself. Like he's not you know English is his second language, so maybe some of that doesn't you know come naturally in terms of a vocal leader. But a lot of guys aren't vocal leaders. You know, Dwayne Wade wasn't a big rah rah guy. A lot of these guys aren't. Okay, they lead by their actions. And you're seeing when the temperature gets hottest with the Joker, um, a lot of times he can't handle the heat in the kitchen. And you see him freak out a little bit. And it's okay to be critical of Nikola Jokic, by the way. 
All right? This is big boy basketball. This is the MVP of the league. And we're seeing for, you know, the, the, the Nuggets haven't just lost six consecutive playoff games, guys, going back to last year, getting swept by Phoenix. They've been embarrassed for six straight playoff games. And it's not on Jokic. He's not the reason why this is happening, but he's also not as much of a reason of why it's not happening. Okay, and that's one of my big takeaways here um, with with the joke uh, with the Joker because this team goes as he goes, and if and if he's freaking out in moments of duress, it's just it's just a bad message. He's got to know better than that, and he's got to grow uh, in that department. So we'll see what type of uh, bounce back uh, these Nuggets have. I'm I'm hoping they can win some games because I'm telling you guys, if they get swept out of this series, if you think the Nick Wrights of the world, uh, the the people who are critical of Nikola Jokic last night, Charles Barkley on TNT, if you think it's bad now, just wait until he's awarded the MVP for a second consecutive year and is swept for a consecutive year. If you remember back a decade ago what the narrative was around Dirk Nowitzki when he won that MVP and was knocked out of the first round by the by the Warriors. By 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 the Warriors, it was brutal, and that could have broke a lot of professional basketball players. Dirk ended up coming out of the other side of it and winning a championship and just solidifying uh, and immortalizing his legacy. The narrative is going to be a, 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 a fever pitch toward Nicola uh, if things go badly the next two games here and they're swept out of the NBA playoffs uh, by the Golden State Warriors. And the Warriors are an awesome team. But the Nuggets have to show just a little bit more fight. We're just not seeing it. The games aren't competitive. So, unfortunately, the tone sucks here today on the Mile High Hoops podcast. But it's only a reflection of the product we're seeing on the floor for the Denver Nuggets. The next game in this series is right around the corner. It's on Thursday evening. Okay? Uh, The game is going to be, uh, let's pull up the schedule really quick here. The game is going to be on Thursday evening. We're going to record the Mile High uh, podcast on uh, Friday morning. Uh, it, it'll be Thursday night TNT uh, once again at 8 o'clock. All right, buckle up. Nuggets have got to show some fight here in Game 3, uh, or this thing is uh, going to be 1-2-3 Cancun here in just about a half a second. And you know, whatever happens on Thursday night, we're going to be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast.